Brian kind of set me up with leaving me with God's will. He talks all about God's loving and God's presence <laughs> and soul and divine essence. And but I already says, said what I'm going to talk about God's will. <laughs> I already said what God's will was. What's that? Loving. Loving. Right. He set it up so we come after, back after the break. That's right. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> now you have to talk about what loving looks like. That's easy. <laughs> Keep feeding me, Brian. Go ahead. <laughs> so, here's a little question for you. Have you ever thought back upon your childhood when you were growing up and you maybe had different experiences in life, not just in the world with your friends and your family, but also inside yourself with awarenesses that you had, you knew something about God, you knew something about spirit, you knew something about loving. You would see things that maybe other people didn't see, such as angels, lights around other people, or have awareness around things that were going on. And then as you grew up, got older and older, you sort of grew out of it, or you left that behind. But yet there's a part of you that knew that you knew God, you knew loving, you knew spirit, you knew the divine in you in some form or other. I'm sure there are some here, if not many here, that could relate to that. That you had many dream experiences or experiences as you went to sleep or woke up that let you know that spirit was with you, that grace was with you, that the divine was with you. And yet, as you got older, you may have lost that. It may have come to a completion and an experience, and now your experience was really, really out in the world, not living inside so much anymore. Well, I was one who was blessed in many ways. I became aware of God in that that I just talked to you about when I was five years old. And... For many years, I lived in that state of consciousness, of just living in that loving, living in that divine flow, living in that movement of spirit in me and in the world and in the world and in me. But I didn't grow out of it. For whatever reason, I stayed awake. I stayed awake and didn't go back to sleep, as Rumi would say. I stayed awake to that divinity. I stayed awake to that loving presence and continued bringing that into my daily life as I grew up. And what we're here to do is to help you to do the same, to come awake once again to that divine truth that is inside of you. There's nothing that we can teach you. There's nothing that we can tell you that you don't already know. But the one thing I do know is that we might be able to help you remember what maybe you have forgotten or what you have gone to sleep to and to begin to live that once again. It's in all of us. Whether we had that experience as, as children or not, whether our childhood had connection into that divine flow or not, it is alive in us right now because if it wasn't, this body wouldn't be alive. This body is animated by the divine, by the divine loving essence that we are, that loving. The divine living loving essence that we are 
is that spark of life that God sent forth into creation to experience. And at this physical level, to have experience at the physical, we need a physical body to do so. And it's that divine living spark that we are, the soul, the loving essence that animates this body. At the very first breath that we take as a baby coming out of the womb, on that first breath, the soul comes into the body and begins to take charge of the body. Until that first breath happens, the mother is in charge of that fetus, of that body. It is the mother's body. It's a part of her body. And she is in charge of it. And she can dictate what happens to parts of her body. But at the time that it comes out of the womb and is born into the world and takes its first breath, it is an independent being animated by soul, by spirit. And that's who you are. And the very moment that you breathe your last breath in this physical form and the soul leaves on that last breath, this body is just a part of the world once again. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. It is inanimate. It no longer can move. It no longer can function. It no longer can have experience. Because that which came into it to have experience has now departed. The soul experienced everything it needed to experience here, and now it's continuing its journey on into what's next. The one thing that continues is the soul. And the one thing that the soul continues having is experience, wherever it is, whether it's in the physical form or out of it. Whether it is having experience in the physical world and creation, or it has moved on to other realms to have experience in that time. But the one thing I know is that the soul knows itself. The soul knows its true self. The soul knows its source of life, its experience, is knowing that. It knows that God created it. It knows that God directed it to go forward and to have experience. And when we as children were coming into this creation, we do that as well. As infants and on up until about the age of seven or eight, when that begins to die off in our awareness so that we can truly involve ourselves in this physical creation fully and have experience here fully. If most of us could remember and continue that remembrance of life and spirit and of the true source of who we are, Many of us would get so disappointed and so depressed and be so suicidal with what we were having to face in the world that we wouldn't be able to face it. We wouldn't want to face it. We would say, I give up. I want to go back to spirit. I don't need this. I'm out of here. So it's better that we have the experience of remembering to carry that with us through our life but also to be totally involved in this life, totally involved in this physical experience. 
not remembering so much about where we came from and who we are. And learn through those experiences of life certain lessons that the soul came here to learn. When God created, God created in wonderful ways. And the way he created with was his loving. He brought forward his loving to manifest himself in many different forms and many different actions. It says in the Bible that God spoke. And with that spoken word, God created. And one of the first things that God created was light. Let there be light. And when he spoke that, he brought forward a loving frequency that became you, the light of soul, the light of being, the light of truth. And it's that light, that living, loving essence, that we are. We're not the mind, we're not the emotions, we're not the body. Even though we might relate better to those because they are more of the physical nature of the body and what we have been really involved with most of our life, if not all of it. But there's something inside of us that tells us that there's more to us than that. That there's something greater than this mind and this emotion and this body that seems to bring me great joy and pleasure and great pain and separation, all in the same moment sometimes. That there's something more to me than that. Well, when I was growing up, I was blessed to be able to continue bringing forward that inner knowing of the greater truth of myself. And it was very strange for me as I was growing up because I felt that everybody already knew what I knew. I had no idea that people, as they got older, began to live in separation from that truth and separation from that loving and in separation from themselves and that they were beginning to long for something. I didn't have a longing. I didn't have a need. I didn't have a want. I just continued living into that which was living inside of me and manifesting in and through me. And it wasn't until I was in my seventh, eighth, ninth year that I began to realize in a very strong way just how much people at my age, my friends, the children around me, were really beginning to live a very different life than I remembered them living before. Living caught up in the mind and the demands of the world. Living caught up in separation from themselves and trying to please everybody else and to do things right. And so many other things that I witnessed and the pain and the sorrow and the separation that was in their life. And I also realized that when I would share from my place of experience, people would begin to look at me like I was weird or strange, like I was talking a foreign language. And so I remember sitting down one day with my very best friend at the time and asking him, so what is it you feel when you get up in the morning? What do you feel 
What wakes you up? What inspires you to get up and go do the day? And he looked at me and he says, what wakes me up? What? What are you talking about? And I said, yeah, what wakes you up in the morning? Well, for me, my life was one of living in the divine flow of loving. There is no separation between the physical and the spiritual. It is all one and the same. It's just a movement of loving. And for me, what woke me up in the morning was this call to go back now into the body and to bring it awake, to go out and have experience. And that was my natural movement. And so I thought that he and others had that same call, call to wake up. But I could tell when I was with him that there was something empty, something missing. And he would often talk about things in a way that made me feel as though he was not fulfilled or joyful, that he was empty. And so in talking with him, I began to realize that he had forgotten something that he and I used to talk about when we were younger. Just a few years ago, before that, he would talk about things that he would see, that he would hear, that he knew inside of himself about this divine movement of spirit inside of him. And it was very interesting as I began to share with him about my experience. Within days, we had a little click of friends that were getting together and talking. And some of them remembered more than others about the divine flow, that great movement of spirit. And some began to try to remember once again what they had forgotten. And I realized in that moment that that's what a lot of people are looking for. I would go and I would talk to my mother after that and ask her much the same thing. Well, she was curious. She wanted to know what was going on because she was witnessing this strangeness in me that I was becoming a little bit more strange than other people that she knew and the kids around. And she wanted to know what I was doing, where I was coming from. And as we talked, she began to realize that I knew things that she wanted to understand and know. And I began to talk to her, and she began to connect to a truth inside of herself that she was living in some form or another through her practice of her prayers. But she didn't really understand what that was inside of her that was calling her to that. I have had a lot of experiences of both acceptance and rejection of my inner truth and my inner experience. But I know one thing that ultimately we are all one. There is no separation between us. Loving is loving. And you can't separate loving over here and loving over here and have nothing in the space between. Loving is everywhere. It is the loving that was the creative energy and everything that exists is loving. Everything. Now, that's not very scientific, I know. But is life truly scientific or is it something more? I love reading the science of creation. 
and there's great truth to be understood in all that the mind has understood of creation and its creative action. But yet there is so much more that the mind has yet to perceive. And I have found that if we can go inside and begin to connect to that place inside of us where the greater truth resides, that we can come into the greater knowing, the knowing beyond the mind, beyond this creation of the physical, and sit in that place of the knowing and have all that question and doubt and fear answered inside of us. I know for many, and I have counseled many people over the years since I was 18 years old, now 61, so it's a few years. I have talked to many people longing, aching, crying for, understanding, peace, solution, release, quiet, and so much more. Just crying in so many different ways. And yet, we reach out to the worlds, we look at the books, we listen to tapes, we listen to different people's talks, we go to workshops, we beg, we pray, and yet we're still crying and longing and wanting. Well, the one thing I have found over the years to be a great truth, that all the great mystics and spiritual teachers in the world have taught, and that is to go within. The truth is within. Know thyself. Well, what is thyself? That's a good question. What self are you going to know that's going to answer all these questions? I have found that no one in the world can answer the questions I have to ask. And I think that if you really look and see for yourself all the questions you have about your life, about your purpose, about your direction, about your needs and wants, no one really can answer them because the answer is inside of you. It's not in them. They know the answer for themselves and they may be able to give you some sense of answer for yourself, but they really can't answer those ultimate questions that need to be answered. But I do know how you can find that answer for yourself. And that is to do what we have been told throughout centuries to do, to go within, to know thyself, to be true to yourself, honor yourself, love yourself. But how do you begin to do that? To know yourself is a very simple action. But the action it takes to get to the knowing of yourself can be rather challenging. When we sit down and we close our eyes, what do we see? Many of us will say, it's black, it's dark, there's nothing there. Now, if you sit there long enough in that blackness, in that nothingness, what do you see? What do you feel? 
what do you hear? If you're going to find yourself, know thyself. If you're going to know yourself, then yourself is somewhere in there where right now you might be witnessing blackness, nothingness, emptiness. But in there somewhere is yourself, according to what others who have discovered that is saying. I found that the inner pathway is both easy and simple and hard and challenging, according to how you approach it. If you approach it with loving, it will be a simple and easy pathway. But if you approach it in fear or expecting a hardship and difficulty, it will grant that for you as well. And what are you going to discover on that pathway inside? Well, sometimes the very first thing you're going to meet is yourself. But it's not yourself that you're ultimately wanting to meet, that divine loving essence of yourself. The first part of yourself that you're going to meet is all those qualities of yourself that you've been living in the world, that you maybe have even avoided at looking at or doing or taking responsibility for. Your thoughts, your feelings, your actions and your reactions will come up and meet you and greet you and welcome you inside so you can begin to know the truth of yourself. And oftentimes those things that first meet us and greet us are our judgments, our fears, our hatred, those dark spots inside of us that we have ourselves created. They're going to come running toward us to greet us. Oh, my God, you're here. Let's deal with me. Come on, let's deal with me. What do you want to do with me? And for the most part, knowing from what I've experienced inside for myself and I've witnessed it with others, the first thing we want to do is open our eyes and, okay, that's enough. I'll just deal with this world. I don't want to have to deal with all that inside, too. And one reason we don't want to deal with that is because we have not been given the tools by which to do that. We have not been given the means by which to enter into that kingdom inside of ourselves and to handle all the disruption, all the disturbance, all the unrest that resides there. The world hasn't taught that to us. Just as when you were growing up as a child, <laughs> and you entered into school, you had to sort of leave your innocence at the door, your feelings at the door, and just let's activate the mind. And they didn't really help us to understand how to integrate the self, the physical self, the emotional self, the imaginational self, the mental self, the unconscious self. We just dwelt upon the mind. We weren't given tools how to live fully in the world as a being, but we were given tools by how to live mentally in the world as a being. But if we're given the right tools by which to live in the world, 
to bring all these things into balance in the world out here, we can survive and move through the world and have a more complete life. And if we can begin to receive the tools and use those tools as we go inside, we can also heal and empower and quiet so much that lies within us that is longing to do just that, to bring everything into alignment. Now, for some of you, I'm probably making sense. And for others, I'm not making any sense at all. And that's okay. I'm used to that. Because for some of you, you've had experience enough of what I'm talking about to go, yes, I hear what you're saying. I have a relationship to that, but I need more. I don't understand it all. And for others, you've been living at some level or another in yourself and maybe haven't allowed yourself these experiences to truly be able to relate to what I'm talking about. And that I can understand too. I have talked to thousands of people over my life and I've talked to many different levels of experience. Now when I talk, I talk about God because God is everything to me. God has always been my source of being and has been with me throughout all of my existence in this life and before and I know beyond. But for others, it may not be God. It may be a source of life. It may be something scientific in how you relate to experiential beingness in this creation and who you are. Whatever it is, I say, look to find those words that relate to your experience and begin to bring alignment to your experience and your understanding so that you can empower yourself in a greater way to live your life more fully rather than having all these components of self living in separation. My physical life wants to do this. My emotional life wants this. My Mental life wants to do this, and I'm split. I don't know what I want. I don't know who I am. I don't know how to get there. A fulfilling life is one in which we bring all these elements of self together in alignment, honoring them all, and helping them to understand how to relate with each other in a balanced way so that they work in harmony as one rather than as elements of separation, trying to pull you apart to get what they want. So as you begin this inner journey of meditation and you're beginning to go inside, whether you're looking for the highest level of your mind or your soul essence or whatever you might call it, you're going to meet up with those elements of yourself that live in separation, that want to be in charge rather than you be in charge. Have you ever had that feeling of all of a sudden you've got this craving for something to eat? Something you don't normally would ever want to eat even. But all of a sudden it's just on you and you can't stop thinking about it. You can't let go of it. You can't distract yourself away from it. Yeah, you can pull your attention away and get started on something else, but there it goes, and off you go to the kitchen trying to find it. 
are off to the store trying to find it. Well, what is that? Who is that that's making me go do that? It's an element of the physical self that is now taking charge, that is now ruling everything else. It has, in a sense, sorted out the whole circuitry, and now it has control. Have you ever had that sensation? And no matter how much you struggle against it, do you win? Ultimately, do you win or do you give in? This is about you getting everything in alignment so that you, I would call it the soul, is in charge of all those qualities of self. That you are the one overseeing and directing the action of your life. The way you do that is to close your eyes and go inside. Now this is the easiest way to do it. The simplest way to do it. You close your eyes and you begin to just share your loving with whatever you consider to be the highest source. I would say it's God. And just share your loving with that, even if you don't believe in it. Even if you don't believe that there is a God, just do it and see what happens. There's something very powerful that happens when you begin to put something into action. When you take and bring your focus to a point of clear focus and direction, and you begin to put in action that which you're holding your attention to. If you hold your attention on loving, and you begin directing that loving into action, moving it to something or some place or someone, you're going to find something happen. Maybe not the first time you do it, but in days and weeks, you're going to begin to feel and know that something different is happening inside of you, and it's that movement of loving that is happening. And what happens is something quite wonderful. All those things that I talked about earlier, they're going to come running at you for you to deal with, for you to heal, for you to handle, whatever way that is for you. You're not going to have to handle them. You're not going to have to look at all these judgments of yourself, all these judgments of other people that they have put on you or that you have put upon them. You're not going to have to look at all those monsters and those fears that you have created for yourself, that are ever blocking you and stopping you, and have to handle them and figure out, well, now how do I dissolve you? Uh, how did I create you? Why did I create you? How do I give you life? You don't have to figure all that out. All you do is you love that creative source of your being. And the loving goes out before you. It just goes before you. And what does loving do? It transforms. It transforms everything into itself. Loving begets loving. So if you send forth loving before you on your inner journey, loving is going to meet all those things that have stopped you in your tracks, that have caused you to be afraid that have caused you to feel separation from others and yourself. And it's going to transform it back to its true nature. Because all you have done 
is you've taken that loving inside of yourself and you have mislabeled it, misdefined it, misexpressed it. And so now the loving that you had at one time for someone and you put on a judgment and hatred, you're now going to bring it back to yourself and just let it transform itself back into loving once again. You're not going to have it seen over here as a consciousness of expression of hatred or judgment or fear. You're just going to let it come moving back into this river of loving that you're creating and the loving will transform it automatically. You will have to do nothing. Maybe you'll witness it. You'll look at it as it comes in. You'll acknowledge it. But you're just going to keep your eye focused on loving that divine presence and let the loving do the rest. And all that has been separating you from God, from the inner knowing, from your inner loving all this time will just melt away. And there will be nothing separating you from that ever again, as long as you keep that loving alive. What have we been told, both in philosophy and in religion, to have nothing separating us from that source? Whatever we create, that separates us only creates a darkness, a longing, an emptiness. And it's for us to find how to dissolve that that we have separated ourselves with. And this will do it. This will automatically just dissolve whatever separates you from that. We've separated ourselves from our own answers. We know the truth for ourselves. We have every answer to every question we could ever ask. It resides inside of us. But our doubt separates us from that knowing. Loving will dissolve that doubt, and we can then know it. I can have a question, and all I have to do is place it into the loving, and the answer comes to me automatically. Sometimes before I can even really put the question out, it's there. Because there is nothing separating me from that. It's just that simple. But it can be just that hard. Because many of us may have doubt. How could there be a God? Oh my God, look around the world today, Jim. How could there be a God? Why would God create this world? Why would God let this happen to this world and to myself. The answer to all of that lies in moving back into that river of loving and bringing all that with you into the loving and let the loving answer that for you inside. There's a most profound answer to that that is inside all of us so that we can understand our meaning, our purpose, our reason, and all this other as well. All we have to do is bypass all those questions and doubts, wonders and fears, and just hold our attention on loving the source. And then the other key to it is opening to receive, because giving and receiving is one action. And if we only give, but we don't open to receive, ultimately nothing is going to flow. The flow is in the process of giving and receiving. That's the way it is with everything, including money. 
If you're holding on to every dime, if you're afraid to let go of your money for fear that you won't have any more, there's a good chance you're going to live with a lot less in your life. But if you can let go of some of that and give the money as well as receive money, you're going to find that there's a dynamic flow to money as well as to loving. It's all one and the same energy. It's one and the same energy. It is not separate. It is just an expression of loving at a different level of frequency, of vibration. Now, I may be talking mumbo-jumbo to some of you, but hopefully some of this is going to get inside and begin to stir you into a different view, a different action, a different questioning, to begin maybe another part of the journey that you haven't allowed yourself to go on. There's a lot of different actions out there that we can partake of. We can go to the university and fulfill ourselves through the mind or fulfill ourselves through the emotional search. We can go into religion and begin to get a lot of things answered for ourselves through the religious understanding. But I also know that beyond that, there's another flow of life that brings all of those together as one. And that's where the truth of us lives. I have a saying that I share. And a lot of people look at it the first time and go, I don't know what that means. But as they do this practice of meditation, as they enter into this divine river of loving more and more and have experience for themselves, they begin to understand it. And at first we may not understand it because we truly feel separate. We feel separate from each other. We feel separate from things that are taking place in the world. We feel separate from that divine source. We feel separate. We don't feel one. We don't feel whole. We don't feel complete. And we feel like we are unworthy. We're unworthy of loving. We're unworthy of knowledge or incapable of it. We have so many things upon us that cause us to live in this world of darkness that lies inside of us and many of us. But if we can just begin this other part of the journey of life that I'm talking about, we can move into an experience of knowing something that I have known all my life. That in truth, we have never been separated from the heart of God. We have never left the heart of God. We dwell in the heart of God right now. But we have allowed ourselves to believe into the illusion of separation. We have allowed ourselves to live into that separation, forgetting the truth of our oneness right now. And we have wandered through this illusionary separative state for a long time. The more we have wandered through this desert, trying to find the promised land, the land of milk and honey, it's been called so many different things, the more we have forgotten 
and the more we have believed into the illusion. But all we have to do is turn around. Turn around for a moment and look to see where have I come from? Where have I come from? What is this path I've been walking? And look to see where you did come from. And you will realize that at the other end of that pathway is you sitting there in the heart of God, waiting for you to complete this journey and wake up once again to the truth that you've never left. Rumi, and many of you may know Rumi through all of his poems that have been translated. He was a philosopher back in the, I think the 12th century, living in Turkey and in that region. He taught at the university and he was considered one of the wisest men of the day. People would come to him for counsel, come to him for understanding. And then one day a man came to him who didn't ask any questions of him, just sat there and smiled, just sat there in quiet, in peace, and smiling. And after everyone had left, he remained. And Rumi walked over to him and said, so do you have a question for me? And the man said, no, you have a question for me. And Rumi said, well, yes, that's true, I do. Why is it you smile so much? And what is behind that smile? And the man said, it is for you to find the smile in you, and then you will understand. I cannot tell it to you. Only you can know for yourself. And in that moment, Rumi knew that he had to leave what he was doing and be with this man, whatever it meant, to find that smile inside of himself. And that's just what he did. He left his family, his wife and children, shocking everybody around him in his personal life and in his career, leaving his teaching position, leaving his family, and he wandered and followed this man to find out the truth for himself, to find his smile within. And this man became his teacher, his spiritual teacher, Sham Tabriz. And Shams taught him everything he knew. And what he knew was very simple. It was how to love the divine and how to find the smile in everything. Because in the movement of loving is the smile. And Rumi wrote about his experience in many different poems. There's over 13,000 poems and writings that are being translated now. And one of them that has been very powerful for me over the years is this one. The door is round. The door is open. Enter in and you shall find. You will find the truth that you have longed for. Wake up. Wake up. 
and don't go back to sleep. The door is round, that spiritual door, that spiritual center, and the doorway to it is round. And enter in, enter into that place where the divine dwells, right here inside of you. The soul dwells right here. Enter into it and know the truth that resides there. And the key is, is to wake up. Wake up inside. You have been asleep. You have gone asleep to the truth that resides in that place inside. And you have fallen asleep and have been living the dream of the illusion all these many lifetimes. And it is for you now to wake up. Wake up and know the truth of who you are and don't go back to sleep. And another one that he said was, the river is wide and the river is long and the river is ever moving. And it is for you to dive into that river and go to its center and let the current carry you, carry you, carry you into that which you are. Struggle not, fear not, go with it and you will be. And that's the river of loving I'm talking about. It's for us to enter into that river of loving. But we first have to find that river of loving that is flowing ever within us. Because it is that loving that gives life to this body. And it is for us to consciously begin to live into that river. To know that river. To feel it. To sense it. To live into it. And then to go with the current. To relax. Don't struggle. Don't try to control it. Don't try to say, don't know, I want to go over there. What are you going over here for? To let go fully and let that loving just carry you where it will. And it will take you back to the source of your own being. And then you will wake up and you will know fully the truth that you never left the heart of God. I know that and I can speak that because I do know that. And I live that every day of my life. When I sit down and I close my eyes and I go inside, I connect to that river of loving. And that is my source of being and purpose and action. And that river is there for each and every one of us. There is a book that is written by Kabir, Adarag Sagar. It's one of the few books I've ever written, read in my life. It's called The Ocean of Loving and Mercy. The river of loving takes you back to the ocean of loving and mercy. That's God. That ocean is God. And this book that was written 500 years ago is just about the journey. It's a very simple book. Very hard to find, though, I hate to say. But it's about this journey. And this journey is about you doing the work. No one can do it for you. I can't do it for you. Brian can't do it for you. No one can wake you up inside. But you, you've gone to sleep. And you've got to wake up. And there's a lot of different ways to wake up to a lot of different levels of consciousness. 
So it's for you to find out what level of consciousness do you really want to wake up to. I can direct you into a meditation that will wake you up to the level of the chakra having to do with your belly button. And that's an interesting level to wake up to. But it isn't having to do anything with the divine. I can wake you up into the level of the physical heart chakra. And it's a wonderful place to wake up to. And there's a lot there to be experienced. But it will not wake you up into the divine. Each one of these kinds of actions and meditations called yogas in the East will wake you up to a particular frequency of experience. And each one is wonderful in itself and can be very fulfilling in its own way. But it may not be the ultimate fulfillment that you're longing for. I have met yogis in India who have walked pathways going from one yoga experience into another, one yoga practice to another, trying to fulfill, trying to find the, the, the perfect way, the ultimate path. And yet they haven't woke up to the divine inside themselves. They call it the highway, the divine way, the greater truth. And yet when it comes to sitting down and going inside and connecting to that river of loving, they hold back. Because what they are longing for is self-empowerment, self-awareness, not spiritual awareness, not awareness of the spirit of who they are. And that's fine. That's a good search. Self-awareness is an amazing place to be. But I know from my own journey that self-awareness takes you so far but doesn't bring you to the fulfillment. It isn't the ultimate. I have found that following that river of loving that Rumi talks about is the way to find that ultimate in life. So what we're here to do is to share with you a very simple practice of meditation of loving, of caring about yourself, and of giving yourself time every day to begin that practice and that action of waking up. It's a very simple, easy journey. Even Jesus said about it. I can't even remember now. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. What's that? My yoke is easy and my burden but is light. My yoke is easy. I always forget yoke. I don't know why. <laughs> and that's really the truth. He taught this same pathway. He taught this same pathway that we teach here. This pathway has been taught since the beginning of man being upon this planet. Since humanity was birthed upon this planet, there has been someone on this planet teaching people how to get back to God. Moses taught it, Abraham taught it, Aristotle taught it, Socrates, Plato taught it, Lao Tzu has taught it, Akhenaten taught it, William Blake taught it. I mean, I can go on and on teaching this very same pathway, very same words, 
very same method. But it's aimed every time from a teacher to the culture, the language, the tradition of the day. We're teaching it in a way that works in the world today here, not 2,000 years ago as Jesus taught it, even though it is the very same pathway. And many of the teachings are exactly the same. So this weekend is about experiencing the divine. So we're going to spend time every day, every morning, just as we did this evening, in a focused meditation of loving, of focusing our loving inward and upward toward the source. Even if you don't believe it, just do it and see ultimately what comes out of that action. You have to have the experience, not us. We've had our experience. We can share from our experience, but that's not going to do anything for you ultimately. You have to have the experience for yourself to have the transformation, to have the change, to have that process of waking up. And that's what this weekend is about. It isn't full of processes. It isn't full of figuring things out. It isn't going to be full of us up here drawing charts and teaching you about different levels of creation and how to become psychic and all of this. It's going to be simply focused. So come prepared for simplicity. Come prepared for you being in action, inside as well as out. And even though you're just going to be sitting here, it's going to be a very active time. A very active time inside of you as you begin to move certain things free inside of you and find yourself opening and being revealed unto yourself. Tonight, I would ask you to begin to look at the words and the action of loving, accepting, and forgiving. Many of you here are already doing this. But look at it again, because there's always layer upon layer upon layer of loving, accepting, and forgiving. That's what we do in our meditation as well. When we enter into it and there's just something we can't let go of, and we can't get past with just loving, to have it be transformed and, and go back into its natural form. Then we move into different actions of accepting that which is in front of us and forgiving it. So loving, accepting, and forgiving. And the greatest action you can do of that is with yourself. Loving yourself, accepting yourself, and forgiving yourself. If you do that with yourself, most everything else melts away. You don't have to forgive and accept and love others. It just automatically happens. So if you want to do some homework tonight, play with that. Write about that. What does that mean to you? How do you live it right now? Do you live it right now? Do you want to live it? How can you begin to put it into action in your life? So two very different talks. <laughs> and I hope that out of that there's something there for you that will begin to stir you awake in a new way
I wish it could be as easy as it was for Rumi. I guess it was more easy for Shams, actually his teacher, just sitting there and smiling and doing nothing, not asking a question, not saying a word. And yet he stirred somebody awake. He stirred somebody into the search for that smile inside themselves.